0: Good morning, since I am new to many of you, I would like to share today about my background in spiritual pilgrimage. I grew up in a small village of Hinkletown in Lancaster County and attended a two-room schoolhouse. The first four years I had one teacher and the next year I went upstairs and had her sister for a teacher. Most of the students were from conservative Mennonite homes. I grew up in a loving Christian Mennonite home where missions, education, and travel were important. My aunt started the Hinkletown Mennonite Church after attending winter Bible terms at Eastern Mennonite College. My dad also helped with this and took a more prominent role when women were not allowed to continue in the leadership roles. I attended Lancaster Mennonite High School for four years and then graduated from Eastern Mennonite College in 1960. Don and I met at LMH in geometry class and were married in our senior year of college when he was the yearbook editor and I was doing student teaching. I still had energy back in those days. Our first daughter was born at EMC when Dunn was studying in seminary. Dunn had always been interested in overseas mission work. So after talking to Paul Crable uh, from Eastern Mennonite Missions, he suggested we do an internship in New York City before an overseas assignment. New York City seemed like a foreign country to me after Hinkletown and Shen Valley. We moved to New York City in September 1961 where we were part of a VS unit but lived in our own apartment across the street. Our second daughter joined us there. Following this two year assignment in September of 1963, we left the states for a far off place called Saigon, Vietnam. Traveling overseas for the first time on a five year assignment with a two and a half year old and a four month old was an adventure in faith. There was a different language, climate, food, mission group, transportation to adjust to. Learning language was not as easy for me as it was for most of our mission group, but they were so supportive and helped me grow. This was before email, cell phone, Skype. So my mother's weekly letters were important to me. She also saved my letter's home, which is a treasure for me today. Our third daughter was born during this time. Just a few months before our scheduled furlough, after five years away from the US, the Tet Offensive in 1968 happened. This was a frightening experience when the block of the houses where we lived were cut off entirely by barbed wire fencing uh, to communication with anyone else except shortwave radio. We couldn't contact any of our group, and the report from the radio said five missionaries in Bunmituat had been killed. We knew Christians in America were praying for us when our three girls slept through the scary times at night. No markets were open for about a week, so fresh food was scarce, although we had plenty of rice. When we could move around again, I developed appendicitis and had an operation. Through those stressful days, it was decided that the three girls and I and two other of our mission women, plus one child and one who was pregnant, uh, would move to Penang, Malaysia for two months until it was time for our furlough. I only weighed 93 pounds at that time, if you can believe that. And we had vacationed in Penang one time before, so I agreed to go. This was a time for personal and spiritual growth for me. There were many problems setting up a household in a country where we could only communicate if someone spoke English. And, but we did have uh, the, the VNCS, uh, M- uh, Vietnam Christian Service, of which MCC was then a part of, had also evacuated their women nearby. Reverend Butler White and his Methodist congregation helped us also. We three women, four children, and later a baby girl worked well together, but I learned to trust God by recognizing small miracles of everyday living, and my faith grew. After a year in the States, we returned to Saigon, where our son was born during this time. We couldn't serve another another term in 1975 because the war ended and the change of government did not accept missionaries any longer. But we saw God's leading in bringing many Vietnamese to us, settling here in Lancaster County from Indiantown Gap. I knew enough Vietnamese to be helpful in schools by teaching them English, as I had done in Vietnam. For 17 years, I taught English in the different school district and met students from many countries such as South America, Korea, Russia, India, Laos, Cambodia, and many, many more. It was a fulfilling job for me. It was uh, was a fulfilling job for me. We also served with MCC in Bangkok, Thailand, 1992-93, where again I taught English. Then Dunn was asked to pastor a Stumptown Mennonite church, and I became a pastor's wife. From all these experiences, God helped me to see that people from all over the world were worshiping God in different ways, whether it was International Church of Thailand, a small house group in Hanoi in 1993 for a few months, the Karen tribal people or Lancaster County Mennonites. We learn to know Buddhists and Muslims who lived very good lives too. As we age, we look back over our lives and say, What have I accomplished? Some can point to great achievements, but for me, I have concluded that the question I want to ask is, have I continued to grow in understanding of how to live out Christ's ways in relationships and community. Whether we live in the limelight or are unobserved most of the time, whether we live in one place or go overseas, the people we meet in our families, church, and community should see our faith in action and be drawn to God's ways. I have been blessed with hearing the good news at an early age, having good mentors and role models to help me grow, and the privilege to travel and live in many places, expanding my views of discipleship. Now as I reach the age of 80, I realize I have less energy to do things I once did, such as teach women's Sunday school class. I need to discover what I can contribute to this new congregation I appreciate the flowers, the singing, the sermons, the desire to reach out to community and world needs, and the family and friends I have known from before. It has also been an inspiration to learn to know many new friends. This past year has brought many difficult circumstances into our family. We we feel this need for a caring church support. Through the years, we have belonged to small groups, whether the mission group, Akron Church small group, or a Sunday school class. We are thankful that this has been a welcoming church to help carry some concerns for us during this year. So we are glad to join Eastern, East Chestnut Street Church today.
1: I think if I just said amen and sat down, that would probably take care of things pretty well. But no, I'm a preacher, so I'm going to go on. (laughs) I want to say first, I'm sort of a plotting, uh, linear kind of a guy. And uh, nonetheless, I appreciate Roland's flowers and Elise's poetry and all those kinds of wonderful things we enjoy here. But here we go with a linear, plotting kind of a account. The foundation for my faith pilgrimage was lovingly laid in a Mennonite family of the Evera congregation about 12 miles north of here. My dad died in a work accident when I was 4. My mother was a devoted and conscientious woman. She taught elementary school to provide for my two sisters and me growing up. She was capable and gifted would be embarrassed to hear me say that I was also nurtured by the care and love from so many of our church and extended family my Sunday school teacher Raymond Landis grandpa and grandma Myers Nathan and Carrie my mother's parents lived across the street from us Earl Souter, who owned the mill where my father accident occurred the Sensenek uncles and aunts a big family that was very helpful to us My wife's parents, Abe and Mabel Mellinger, later on. They're wonderful people. So many others. All now gone. That list, all gone. Part of that cloud of witnesses that Hebrews 12 talks about. They are still part of me, encouraging me to run the race that God has laid out for me. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Now that passage also mentions some besetting sins. I decided not to list those here this morning. I did tell Doris I wouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyway. That happens. You can ask her about those besetting sins. Some who are in in that cloud of witnesses now also annoyed me and angered me at times, such as our bishop who focused on the rules and disciplines, which were to keep us separate from the world, that world which was so evil, rather than engaged with the world, which I think I have come to believe more in. Things to be saved from rather than things to be saved for. But still a positive faith foundation that could grow. I've chosen to share three significant uh, milestones or incidents on my faith journey among the many that have impacted me over well, I'm 81, so it's a long time, but here are just three. Annual revival meetings were the usual setting for encouraging a specific personal commitment to the way of Jesus. When I was 12 or 13, the evangelist was J. Irvin Lehman, uh, a kindly old minister from Chambersburg, not G. Urban Lehman, who taught at EMC, a different person. And I felt deeply moved to commit my life to be a follower of Jesus. I recall thinking when I raised my hand. Who else would I want to follow? Jesus is the worthy one to guide my life. Since that beginning, through interacting with scripture and theology and through exposure to other worldviews and a broadening of my experiences, the reach of my faith has broadened greatly. But follow the path of Jesus remains my grounding. Secondly, a strong challenge to my faith growing up was the teachings of science, which seemed to contradict the Bible. For example, we understood the creation story to be literal seven days, six thousand years ago. No room for dinosaurs there. My public school eighth grade teacher, Mr. Paul Pfeiffer, taught about dinosaurs. I think our town basically regarded him as an atheist for that reason and as I think back now I think maybe that's why he only lasted two years. (laughs) I was a good student and uh, he once invited me to accompany him to Penn State for some academic seminar of some kind but I was afraid he would try to make me lose my faith so I didn't go. I think I was afraid of science at that age. I still remember this spark of new possibilities. As a freshman, first week at EMC, a group of us guys were riding in the back of a truck heading for Massanutten for an outing, school outing, and upperclassman Everett Metzler said he believes in dinosaurs. Wow, okay. (laughs) New visions opened. My faith journey has always engaged my mind as well as my heart, and I'm still on the journey on both levels, mind and spirit, head and heart. Stick with the facts, open to faith and poetry and songs and that world. The third experience I'll mention was for me a glimpse into the unseen spirit world. This occurred in 1975 at the baptism of an older Vietnamese woman, would come to our area as a refugee and chose to become a follower of Jesus while she was here. She was kneeling for baptism by pouring, one of a group of ten new believers, Vietnamese believers. Uh, Bishop Howard Whitmer was baptizing, and I noticed he died this past week. I just saw that uh, he's passed on. He and Pastor Quang, the Vietnamese pastor, were doing the baptism. They baptized her and moved on to the next person, who was her husband. She suddenly sprawled forward flat on her face, unconscious. What I was looking, I was standing behind her looking directly at her. And what I saw was like a violent shove from some, uh, some unseen force. She soon regained consciousness and the baptisms continued. Afterwards, she told us this. In her homeland, she had been a medium channeling the spirit of a 19th century Vietnamese king in seances and that spirit that possessed her was demanding that she not undergo baptism she told the spirit no I'm going to be baptized I'm going to follow Jesus and that's when that spirit violently left her I just share this as a testimony to a mystery of how God can work in ways that are beyond our understanding I've experienced the Anabaptist and Mennonite heritage of reading scripture through the lens of jesus to be the most fulfilling in engaging the world a conviction a vision of a god who offers fullness of life a god who intervenes for justice and peace who absorbs suffering as the way to break the cycle of violence in the world this god offers the possibility of healing and hope in every situation i've seen it at work in peacetime and wartime. As Paul says in Romans 8, in all that is going on, God is at work. There's a hymn that expresses, uh, this sense of God's presence. In Latin, ubi caritas et amor, Deus ibi est. Where there is charity and love, there is God. We won't sing the whole thing, but, Merle, sometime down the road, we want to sing that as a special number, okay? In closing, there are many levels in our wanting to join this community. We love our friends at Stumptown. They provide much care to refugees and to others and to each other as well. And I'm conflicted about leaving. I will admit that. Our attraction here includes this congregation's openness to work at the difficult issues that roil our church and our world by engaging deeply with scripture, by challenging one another. Racism, gender differences, climate change, economic inequities, reliance on war, That's a load. But as Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. And we sense God's spirit providing joy and hope on this journey in this place. On a personal level, we also feel warmly welcomed. We have many friends here from previous eras in our lives, which is an added attraction. We are blessed and encouraged in the worship, the music, the preaching, the personal sharing, the community involvement. We want to offer what we can to the life of this congregation. We hope to learn to know many more of you as time goes on. So my plan is to continue to come to worship with my prayers, my needs, my faith, my questions, sometimes with my pitch pitch pipe, and also with my church directory. (laughs) I look forward to the time together.